taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of apologetics while taking truth into the arena of ideas. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we enter into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of Christian apologetics while taking the truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast. My name is Curtis Evelo. And I'm joined by Brian Chilton as we answer your most pressing apologetic and theological questions of the day. Hello, everyone. We've been praying for you. Uh, I want to point out, uh, maybe check out the latest article on Bellator Christie. Uh, like and share it, uh, and and, uh, and kind of give it a once over with your with your eyes, and and really kind of take in what's being said there in that article. Uh, Brian wrote it, and it's a. Uh, it's a wonderful time. I think it's. I think it's actually uh, paramount for the church today to be taking it in. Um, so, um, uh, without further wait, uh, I want to introduce the man that has more books than the local library, Brian Children. <laughs> well, thank you, brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your picture of your of your. Uh, of your uh, shelves it's just like holy cats there's a lot there's a lot of books there i was uh the there's a lady at our previous church was talking about the library by a library before and dr purser I, i'm wanting to get him on the podcast uh i was hoping to get him on the end of this month but things just hadn't quite panned out the way i hoped and uh but anyhow he, he said uh he said, Brian, being a Ph.D. student, he says he's going to have an even larger library by the time he gets finished. And now having, uh, wrapping up um, the two classes I am, I'm taking now and got a few more papers to write. But then with two more coming up, he's absolutely right. You accumulate a bunch of books. <laughs> and I'm old school. I have to get the paperback books. So, uh, you know, I do have some on Kindle and some on Logos. But uh, I don't know. For me, I, I, I'm still old school. I still got to have the paperbacks when I can. I agree. There's that's why uh, you'll find well, Bibles all over the place in my house because I, I just I I, I just uh, I like the feel of a you know of a good uh, paper Bible and to shuffle through it. And when I'm reading a book, I I, I read a book. And a lot of people are my even uh, other people I know uh, they listen to a lot of books on on audio, and it's uh, to me it's just not the same. Uh, I'm right there with you. I'm right because I have to. A lot of times, I'll underline things, or if 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 the author's listing out things, I may put like a little one in the circle and two with a circle, three and so on and so forth. And I don't know, just and I sometimes write notes. Um, you know, sometimes I'll like say, "How dumb was that?" or or that what what a great point you made there. I mean, so it just you kind of interact with the books. I think when you have a paperback, you know, at least that's yeah. me. Yeah, that's me too. <laughs> At least in my eyes. But I mean, I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of uh, a lot of stuff. I mean, uh, even when I'm going on the road, I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the Bible on on my uh, on my phone. But um, it's it's just not the same as as holding it and and actually getting that. But that's just me. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. And Curtis, i got to say something that, on a different note. You know, obviously we didn't have the podcast for the past couple weeks, but we, we, we've been in the process of moving. And this is the first podcast from our brand new home. I'm actually doing this outdoors, semi-outdoors, on the back deck. So you may hear some crickets or you may hear the wind blowing or something like that. And so, uh, but we are really blessed. I, I just got to brag on the Lord just for a minute. Um, this house was something that was 10 years in the making. Uh, we, we prayed, I, I'm going to say long, it's probably at least 10 years. We have been praying for something to be a little more secluded, uh, in a rural area where my son can go out and play and enjoy nature, where I, I'm a type of person where I've got to get out in nature to really focus on the Lord and pray. If I have a lot of distractions, it's really hard for me to focus on the Lord. Um, and just just a place of serenity. And God answered our prayers. This was over 10 years in the making. And so I just want to tell folks out there, you know, if you have something, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. It's like Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. But that's not a one-time ask. It's keep asking. Keep seeking and you'll find. Keep knocking and the door will be open to you. And when God's ready in due time, he'll open those doors. And this is just proof positive of how God answers our prayers and gives good gifts to us uh, in, in, in his timing. 
Yeah, as a good, good father, he takes care of his children. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. Yeah, and I just, uh, some of the pictures of that, uh, it, it's it's a beautiful place, and you guys are certainly blessed. Uh, um, I'm looking forward to getting out there someday and hanging out with you on that back porch. Absolutely, man. I'd love to do a live podcast <laughs> with Curtis and Brian on the back porch. You were back deck. That'd be great. <laughs> Uh, do a fire uh, back in the day you did the uh, fireside uh, podcast you know that'd be kind of cool to do another one like that just live well i tell you man i tell you that that's going to be in the works we were uh we're still in the process of getting things set uh the fire pit is here on premises and so i've got to get it set in place we've got to get some pavers out and stuff like that so who knows god willing maybe by this fall that may very well be a reality coming up very well, soon that's pretty cool that's good. Have that crackling so, fire on top of everything else. That'd be great. Ex- exactly. Yeah, and uh, having to, you know, the you can't set up can't set up shop right in one spot. You're gonna have to be mobile because when the smoke moves, you gotta get out of the. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I don't know what it is but the smoke loves me it's, it's, I've heard the old tale that uh, the smoke follows things that are beautiful I don't know if they got that right in my case or not but uh, the no. smoke does seem to follow me <laughs> no that's a swing and a miss on that one that's a swing and a miss hey, you just gotta take what you can get you know? <laughs> uh, that's good stuff so uh, the topic for today um, is something uh, Brian that you have uh, prepared as a presentation um, on the problem of evil. Yeah, um, absolutely. Us- and just just want to say a word before we begin. I was I was blessed to be part of a conference actually on the problem of evil uh, at Elkin Valley Baptist Church in Elkin, North Carolina. And uh, this was on Tuesday, June 9th, twenty twenty. And uh, the moderator was the the pastor at Elkin Valley, great man of God, Johnny Blevins. And uh, there were three panelists: uh, myself. Uh, Dr. B.J. Mauser and Corey Combs. Uh, we all three were uh, the panelists, along with Johnny, uh, Dr. Johnny Blevins. And so uh, the only problem was it was a wonderful, wonderful event. The only problem was is, is all three of us. We only had thirty minutes to- in totality to uh, discuss these issues. So I didn't get to touch on even a tenth of what I had prepared uh, for that conference. And so uh, as we were talking about different things, I kind of thought about, you know, this might be a good time to really uh, really go through and talk about some of these issues a little bit deeper, especially with everything we see going on in our world. Yeah, I agree. Um, I watched that conference, and uh, I thought, you know, this is this – is, I guess in my mind I kind of almost thought it was uh, it would have been a great uh, – um, pre-conference uh, or or kind of a prelude to a conference and then you know give give like each one a short 10 or minutes or so and then and then later on you would end up having actual you know hour-long talk on yeah. each one i thought but there was a lot of ground that was covered in that short 30 minutes it really was, and I, and I and I think the again, Dr. Blevins and the entire entire church did a wonderful job with it. They're they're doing a, and hats off to them. They're doing a summer series uh, dealing with several different apologetic issues. Uh, not only the problem of evil, but they talk about uh, sexuality. They talk about racism. They they've really been hitting on some heavy topics. Uh, this summer, so if you if you're on Facebook, go check out Elkin Valley uh, Baptist Church and and, uh, and and check out their videos they're doing. They're really good stuff there. Yeah, it was good. I I, uh, I think they did a real good job, and you know, um, the pastor there was a was actually a really good moderator. I thought he, he was. did a great job. <laughs> He really was. I was really impressed. That's the first time I met him, and, and he's one of those guys that, you know, you, you first time you talk with him, you think you've known him forever. I mean, just a really good guy. <laughs> kind of like Curtis so, Evelo. <laughs> yeah, just a good guy. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's go ahead and get into this. Um, I have a question here that kind of starts off the problem of evil, unless you want to uh, kind of give a little bit of a... A preamble of what it is otherwise we can just get into the questions now yeah, let's let's jump right in okay so um the question here i want to kind of come up with is uh um define the problem of evil okay uh, so so i, I guess well, do you want to go ahead and ask all three of those questions and we take them step by step i mean it might be the best way to do that 
Yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, define the problem of evil, uh, if God cares. And why doesn't he just stop all evil? And couldn't God have just made everyone saints? And, and these are all really good questions. Uh, first of all, let me say, evil evil is not a thing that is created. A lot of times people ask, why did God create evil? Evil is not necessarily a thing to be created, but it's the negation of something else. Uh, it's understood to be the absence of God, or absence of the good, You should say, we can say. And God is described as being omnibenevolent, and this means he's all-loving. Uh, John says in 1 John 4.16 uh, that uh, God is love. And he even says that if a person doesn't love, the person doesn't know God. Uh, but also in his description of God, uh, he, he says in 1 John 1.5 that God is light. Now, I believe that as we see in the Bible, when people have encountered God, you know, there is a brilliancy to His light, illumination uh, coming, uh, uh, illuminating presence is what I'm trying to say. So obviously there is that manifestation of God's light, but I think it's deeper than that. I think that John is saying that God is the absolute good, and in Him there is no darkness at all, meaning that God is the absolute good. So in this sense, the apostle holds that God is good. And so if God is understood to be the absolute good, then evil is the negation of that. It's, it's uh, the outworking uh, of, of someone's rejection of God. Um, John also notes in, first in, in the Gospel of John that Christ was the light. However, in John 3.19, humanity loved darkness rather than light. So, um, a good way, I took a, uh, believe it or not, I took, I actually have a degree in, in industrial maintenance, uh, mainly electricity. Now, I say that with a caveat, I, you probably don't want me to wire your house because I make no guarantees that it'll still be up and not be burnt to a crisp by the time in five years down the road. <laughs> but, but I do have a, a degree in that. I mean, I remember we, I, we had a class on HVAC systems, and they talk about the whole concept of heat transfer. And heat transfer is understood as the addition or removal of heat. So you don't talk about making something hot or cold. You talk about adding heat energy or removing heat energy. And if you remove heat, you're going to cool the house. If you add heat, you're going to heat the house. Well, in like manner, evil is to be understood in the same way. As cold as the absence of heat evil is the absence of good or is the rejection of good. So the problem of evil actually stems from our attempts um, or excuse me, let me go back and say this. Evil is in fact a rejection of God. And so the problem of evil stems from our trying to understand why a loving God would allow a world to have evil in it. And so that's where really where this whole concept of the problem of evil comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess a lot of times when people are asking that, um, you know, they're 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 dealing with, and it, so a lot of times you're dealing with these questions as an emotional question. Oh, absolutely. So that becomes um, that becomes in itself uh, something that you could say is is a difficult step to get through oh and it is and but for me i mean in a lot of my doubts that led me to agnosticism some of them were intellectual doubts that i had from a historical basis concerning the resurrection of jesus and really quite honestly about whether the bible could be trusted in what it said uh, but another part of it was emotional because i had been hurt by christians i you know i had seen inherent um, hypocrisy in the church and uh -huh. and I'm thinking to myself you know with all this evil going on does, does Christianity have the answers to this so it was an emotional response that I have so of all the issues we deal with in apologetics this is the most emotionally charged of all of them because when people ask why does he why do we why do evil things happen or why does God, uh, loving God allow evil things to happen they have either been bothered by some evil that they've seen or, more directly, that's affected them personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and this, is, this comes down to kind of almost the discussion that my son and I have um, quite frequently 
um, when we're dealing with people is, um, you know, to take the emotion out of it and reason together. Yeah. You know, so, but, but most people want to have emotion over reason when really reason and being able to, to actually talk things out um, and logically think of things that, that actually, I guess you could say almost calms the emotion, but also gives good, just cause for some of the emotion. It just gives a place for it to be. Yeah, and it's like Norm, the late Norman Geisler used to say all the time. He said, a, uh, a clear mind and a pure heart is dangerous to the devil. Uh, yeah. When you think logically, you remove the emotion out of it, and you seek after truth, and you seek after the good, you seek after what's right, then then you can really, with, with God's assistance, work through most issues in life. And I think God gives us the assistance to do that very thing. Which brings us to the second question we were talking about. If God cares, why doesn't he just stop all evil? Well, mm-hmm. logically thinking about this, this needs to be explained from the nature of human freedom. Okay, Th- This is another reason why I cannot be a hardcore Calvinist. Because I think if you hold to, to the idea, and I believe in election to a degree, uh, I, I look at it from the Molinist, non-Calvinist perspective. Um, but even some Calvinists like Alvin Plantinga, who's also a Molinist, uh, is open to the idea of human, human freedom. Uh, I think you have to have an element of at least human responsibility to understand how this works. Alvin Plantinga has essentially resolved the problem of evil in his book called God, Freedom, and Evil. Essentially, he contends that God's omnipotence does not denote God's ability to do anything. The Bible tells us that there are certain things God can't do. Titus right. one two says that God can't lie. Yeah, he can't lie. He also says God can't swear by a name higher than his own because there isn't a name higher than the name of God. And so he further st- states that if God granted humans free will, then God is justified in permitting evil to exist so long as there's a greater good by allowing the evil to take place. So if God has, if you want to call it utilitarianism or, or whatever the case may be, if God has an ultimate good in store by allowing temporary evil, then God is justified for allowing evil to enter into the world. And so the question is asked, what good reason would God have to allow evil? And the answer is really simple, quite frankly. It's love. Yeah. Because for love to exist, you have to have three elements. You have to have a lover, the one issuing love, the beloved, the one receiving love, and the spirit of free love between the lover and the beloved. If it's forced, then it's not love. If you force someone to love you, then it, then it's uh, then it's not love. And I and I gave the illustration at Elkin Valley, of uh, and it's a true story. <laughs> I, I'm a walk in Murphy's Law. If it's going to happen to someone, it's normally going to be me. <laughs> but my wife and I went to the beach, and I was planning to ask her to marry me. And I had in my mindset uh, that uh, I had set in my mind that we were going to walk down the beach, and I was nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. I really was. Uh, and, and so I had envisioned that we would be walking down the beach, there's a full moon out, the moon would be shining, and I would, on a, on, a, on a still, calm ocean, I would kneel down and ask her to marry me in front of this, this uh, moonlit night. But, you know. <laughs> so we go down, we go down the, the beach, and uh, there are clouds covering the moon, and I thought, well, that's not, let me wait and see if the clouds d- depart to make this the way I envisioned it. Well, the clouds finally depart. And about this time, there's this little girl with her dog that starts running around us. So I think, okay, that's not the time to ask her. I mean, <laughs> and so we go past the little girl and her dog, and then the clouds come back and cover the moon. And I thought, okay, well, let me wait a little longer. And then the clouds depart again. Well, wouldn't you know it, there's, there's this other animal that starts running around us. Or I think there's another little girl that starts running around us or something. Well, by the time we get past this other kid, then the clouds start coming back. I thought, forget it. I'm just going to ask her. And so I thought in my mind when I asked her to marry me, she would say, yes, honey, I'd be happy to marry you. But when I gave her the ring and asked her to marry me, she looked at me and shook her head and says, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) 
that wasn't the response <laughs> I was expecting. And I'll be honest with you, Curtis, it, it got even more bizarre. She finally said yes, and we went over to a gazebo, and I didn't tell this part of the story at the conference, but we went to a gazebo and sat just enjoying the beauty of the day. She agreed to marry me, so I was happy. And there was a guy who came with a guitar, and he said, uh, would you mind uh, if I sat and played some music? And we said, Sure. And uh, we told him that we just got engaged. He said, well, congratulations. And I thought he was going to play something romantic. But the gallon of whiskey should have tipped me off that this wasn't going to go exactly the way I thought it was. Because you know what he played? G- Jimmy Buffett's Cheeseburger in Paradise. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> True story. <laughs> so... But anyhow, you know, uh, I mean, obviously that made for a night that we all will remember even to this day, you know. But uh, we've been married for, for gosh, uh, several years since two thousand three. But um, we've been known each other for about twenty years. Come to come to think of it, but but the point in all of that is, is that if if that had been forced, it wouldn't have been love. But right. there has to be a response. She could have easily said no, but she didn't. So. God gives us the ability, in my opinion, to respond to His grace. And when people reject God's loving grace, and and they operate in a manner that that is uh, against the the way of God, that's when evil comes about. And so uh, that to leave to leave the to, in order for love to truly exist, you have to leave the door open to the possibility that someone's going to say no. And yeah, when, rejection. Yeah, and when that rejection comes, you leave the door open for evil to take place. Right, right. Well, people often think that the logical problem of evil is is primarily for people who believe in God. But would you say that it is at least equally problematic for atheists, and why? Absolutely. I think uh, I, th- I think uh, three responses can be given to this. First. It's previously noted if God were to force someone to be to do some to be something or do something against their will, then that's not a loving thing to do. Ravi Zacharias, the late Ravi Zacharias, said, "For your theology to be biblical, you must include divine sovereignty and human responsibility. If your theology doesn't hold both concepts, then you don't hold a biblical theology. So it would be unloving for God to force people." to be something against their will. That's why God doesn't make everyone saints. Because if you force someone to be a saint, then then that's not a loving thing. Okay, In essence, um, uh, it, it's, it's perhaps a logical impossibility to allow humans to be free and to create a world where evil can't exist. Because if you open that door, there's always the possibility that it's going to happen. Second, if God were to remove completely, if He were to completely remove all evil, that, that, and that he has granted humans free will, then he would have to annihilate all of us. Hey, probably start with me. Yeah, he's going he's gonna to take care of all of us. Uh-huh. So, I mean, and that's what we said in the conference. I think Dr. Mauser said this, that he says, you know, we want justice until it comes to us, and then we shout mercy. Okay? Right. And, but that would be pure justice because there, the Bible tells us that there's no one really good. Mark ten eighteen tells us this. Romans thirteen three says this. Right. We think we want justice, but what we really want and what we really need is grace and mercy. And then right. third, God is the necessary source of goodness. Without God, we would most likely never know what good is, because God is the standard of goodness. And here, here's the ironic thing, Curtis: to make any moral claim whatsoever appeals. To the existence of God, because you need to have a moral lawgiver before you can even know what good is. So, without God, we're nothing more than a series of chemical reactions. We're all just beating to the drum of our own DNA. But if God exists, then everything holds value. So, to charge God, who's the source of good, for doing something bad is like charging the sun for not putting out an adequate amount of heat, even though we refuse to come out of a cave in which we're hiding. Just as the sun is the source of the earth's heat and light, God is the source of morality itself. And right. so when we make any claim of morality whatsoever, we're already appealing to the existence of God, whether we realize it or not. Right. Yeah, and you know, you kind of look at, I guess what your statement a little bit ago in this, in that particular question or statement was, 
you know, um, we want mercy for ourselves, but we want, you know, somebody else to be, you know, um, we want God's wrath to fall on them. That's no different than Jonah, but you know, the story of Jonah in the, in, in there when he's, he's sitting on the hill, he, he pulls up a chair and he's like, all right, I'm going to sit back and watch God's judgment hit this town. Yeah, absolutely. And, and God rebukes him by saying, Hey, you have more, more mercy or more concern over the tree the plant that I grew up that night over you, and then it died that day, um, that next day, you had more concern over that than the 120-some thousand people in the town of Nineveh. Shouldn't I grant them that grace, the same grace and peace that I gave you? And and I think that's just something going along human nature. You know, and that brings to mind something Josh McDowell said in a conference that that I attended in Charlotte several years ago. He said, and it may sound a little controversial, but I want you to hear it through. He said, we spend, as Christians, we spend more time praying people out of heaven than we do praying people out of hell. And if you really stop to think about it, he's not far from the truth. And that's not to say that we shouldn't pray for the sick and afflicted. We should. We should pray for those who are hurting. But if the child of God passes away as bad as it is, we know they're going to heaven. But if the lost person dies in their sins, then they're going to hell, an eternal place of torment. And I think another way of thinking of heaven and hell is with he- in heaven you have the fruit of the Spirit, perfect love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Hell is the opposite of that. So you take all of the fruit and you take a look at the very opposite of that. That's yeah, what hell is. Anger. And, and the question I have to ask myself, I mean, we have really been tested in 2020 over this COVID issue and over different things going on. But my question is, I mean, we spend a lot of time talking politics. We talk a lot about the things going on. But how much, what if we as Christians spent that amount of time praying for the lost and telling someone about Jesus? Uh-huh. My friend, if we did that, we would see the, a revival of the likes we've never seen before. It uh, kind of goes back to you know Old Testament story or, or uh, Old Testament um, thing. It says you know writing. It says uh, if my people would would turn to me and pray, I would hear their cry and heal their land. Yeah, and that's yeah. what we need. I mean, quite honestly, the answer's not found. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm saying this as a conservative Christian. I, I'm, I'm against abortion. I have certain political stances that I think are valid and true, and and I'm against. I'm I'm a very conservative in my in my perspective. But at the same time, I love the United States. I love this nation. I have family members who who have fought, and and um, I have a grandfather who was in World War II and, and served in one of the largest naval battles in the Pacific in World War II, and, and so, I mean, I have a great passion for this country, but the thing about it is we've got to remember is that this nation won't last forever. The kingdom of right. God will. Eternity is forever. And right. so we think we want justice. We think we want God to strike down someone. But if you could just catch a little glimpse of what hell is like, I think we would all be on our knees praying and, and sharing the gospel in manners that we've never done before. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you think in my mind, as soon as you said that, my mind goes to the, the, the parable that Jesus told about the, the um, Lazarus and the, and the rich man, you know, and that great chasm that's between there and, and the rich man being there. Um, and it doesn't have anything to do with being wealth. It has everything to do with being a heart issue. And, and the rich man being there saying, well, to go tell my brothers. And he says, Jesus says, they got Moses and the, and the prophets. Mm. You know, and, and how are the people around us hearing that? How are the exactly. people around us hearing, you know, Moses and the prophets? They're hearing it by us speaking it into them or having those conversations about that. Um, really... I, I look at that and I kind of I almost am convicted by what you're saying there, you know. Well, and people need to know that there's a God who loves them, 
And, and Chris, I, I preached at a funeral this past Monday, and I stopped by a local subway on my way back into the office. And with all the racial tensions going on, um, you know, I, th- there was a there was an African American family that came in, and their their child, he smiled at me, and I smiled at him, and I said, "How you doing, buddy?" And he was coming real close to me, and the dad, he was afraid that the the, the child was bothering me, which he wasn't. And uh, so I was actually going out, and I, I smiled at him and told him, you have a blessed day. And they gave me the strangest look, as if they weren't expecting a white guy, to, with all the tensions going on, to, to be nice to them. You know, and The thing is, is we are the ambassadors of Christ, and we have the ability to make an impact on someone's life in ways that we may not expect, in ways we may not ever know. And that's my concern as I see that we as Christians, and I know this is off the topic, but I, I really feel convicted about this, that we are caught up in all these issues going on in the world that there is eternity on the line. And there are souls that are lost, dying, going to hell, and we're caught up on more of these other issues. And I'm not saying those other issues aren't important because they are. I'm just saying that... I really think we as Christians, we need to really be telling people about Christ. We really need to be sharing the love of Christ and letting people know that there's a God who loves them, there's a Savior who wants to save them, and there's a Spirit who wants to fill them and transform their lives if they'll simply, uh-huh. simply be receptive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's what Bellator Christie is about. Absolutely. We're, we're about, uh, you know given uh, answers to those people that uh, may be asking the questions but also give a place that uh, some of these big uh, theological ideas can actually be uh, parsed out and uh, easily uh, swallowed by by a person just seeking absolutely yeah wonderful so uh, uh, let's look at uh, the next question here when we see a tragedy uh, or sin at work in our lives uh, or in the world how can we comprehend God's rule? Okay. And what advice would you give Christians who are wrestling with the emotional problem of evil? Before 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 I answer that, I want I want to say just want to say a quick word about um, to, to say that the problem of evil is not only an issue that Christians deal with. It's it's an issue that everyone deals with. Every worldview right. has to find an answer for this. And right. I, I want to just say just a few quick things. A lot of times people go to atheism thinking that that resolves the issue, but it doesn't. Atheism no, right. is even worse. Yeah, I was just going to say it enhances the issue. It does. Because, that, because that's the natural outworkings of, of uh, you know, natural selection. <laughs> well, well, for instance, think about this. I mean, really logically, and I like what you said at the outset of the podcast, were you and your son talking logically, thinking logically through these issues? Well, let's let's think logically. What would an atheist? I mean, as a pastor, I've I've confronted many tragedies. There was an occasion where um, a, a lady in our community was uh, suffered a home invasion, and she was beaten. Luckily, they they caught the thug, and um, and and, 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 and pray for the man's salvation because it's obvious the man's not right with Christ. Um, but what would happen if they never caught him? What would I mean? And, and all across the world, there are crimes that happen where the where the perpetrators never caught. If you're an atheist, what do you say to a person in a situation like that? Well, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, they, there's there's no yeah. ultimate justice. Yeah, that's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah. Or or yeah. or take take the death of uh, you know. Uh, you know, we, we, we well. For instance, let me think about uh, you know think about a young child born with cancer. What, uh-huh. what are you going to say to that child? Well, I'm sorry. That's just the way the cookie crumbles. That's just the way life is. There's uh-huh. no hope in that. But in but Christianity, we understand that um, there's a better life awaiting people on the other side for those who trust in Christ. And I, I believe in the age of accountability. Before the age of accountability, I believe. Uh, that that young children go go to heaven who taken prematurely. I, I that's my personal opinion on that. Well, yeah, I mean, I, and I agree with you because we see that in we see kind of an example of that in scripture when when David lost his son, you know, uh, or lost his child, um, and he says, um, you know, soon I will go to him. I, I will go to him, and so I think that's you know I I'm I'm with you. I agree. So. 
I think from the Christian perspective, we can say that that young child had a tough break. It doesn't make the death any easier. It doesn't make the tragedy any easier. But we can rest with an eternal perspective in knowing that God has something even better in store for that child on the other side. And if we could, you know, we talked about catching a glimpse of hell. If we could catch a glimpse of heaven to see what heaven's like, uh-huh. man, we all couldn't wait to get there. We would all, all be right. just, just, just waiting, chomping at the bit for the day that we experienced the bliss right. of eternity. So, well, and, and we also don't know what that what that child's life in that in that brief amount of time. For example, in the example that you're using. Um, we don't know what that what that actually did or spoke into somebody else's life. Very true. We, we don't know what God's going to use as the next thing that's going to cause the ripple ripple effect. Well, and that's what the whole book of Job is about. At the end of Job, you know, mm-hmm. we read Job and we want the answers. We want the answers Job wants. We want to know God, why did you allow this tragedy happen? And Job did nothing to deserve it, just like the child did nothing to deserve. The cancer, or, or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. um, but God's answer is is you just you just have to trust me because He says He asked Job, "Where were you when I created all that exists?" And I look out at this night sky, as gorgeous as it is. Look at all these stars, and hear the crickets. And God designed all of that, right? You know, He designed all of that, and so He says to uh, Job, "Where were you when I created these things?" And what he basically says is that these things work together so intricately that even if I try to explain them to you, you're not going to understand because every effect, every action affects a whole world of possibilities. So what may seem insignificant to us may have large consequences to other people and may be something that leads someone to come to faith for all we know. Um, So going back to the question at hand, when we see a tragedy or sin at work in our lives, how do we comprehend God's rule? Well, Thomas Aquinas believed that God exists, the Father exists in an eternal now. And by that he means that he believes that God can see past, present, and future at the same time. Because God's time is different than the time we experience in life. So as such, God knows everything that has happened, everything that is happening, and everything that will happen. So it really brings to mind the whole Romans 8.28 impact that all things really do work together for good to those who love Christ and are called according to His good. So, um, And I, I gave the illustration, I gave the illustration of, uh, of I, I used the same illustration in, in the book Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics, about where when I stop by my grandma's house and I try some of her milk and it's really bad and come uh-huh. to find out it's buttermilk. And it was nasty. I can't stand the taste of buttermilk. But she used that buttermilk to make some of the best tasting biscuits that I've ever eaten. So in like manner, God can take things that may not seem good, may not be good, and things that are good and make something great out of it in the end. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to understand how, why everything happens or how everything happens, but we can know that God is orchestrating something great in the end if we truly trust uh, in, in who God is. Mm-hmm. Um, Jonathan Edwards even points out in his message, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, um, everybody thinks, everybody reads this or everybody looks at this and they think this is, this is a hellfire brimstone message. But actually the core point in, in his message is that our sin is what's dragging us to hell. God is trying to redeem us, but the, but the, the, the response we give is going to decide whether we allow God to rescue us or we allow our sin to drag us to hell. So um, when we experience tragedy, we ultimately have to know that God can work out something great. And regarding... Uh, Christians who are wrestling with the emotional problem of evil, um, I would first of all say that I understand. I, I've dealt with tragedy in my life. I've dealt with a lot of tragedy in my life. I've dealt with uh, a lot of issues in life. Um, perhaps some people listening to the podcast uh, have been hurt by a friend that you trusted. You were betrayed by common trust. Um, Jesus was betrayed as well. Perhaps we've suffered through some unjust injustice. 
as we were talking about before the podcast today, Jesus' trial was a monkey trial. Uh, they broke several rules in, in getting him condemned. Uh, so if we've experienced injustice, Jesus did too. And so I'd also say that we have God's presence with us through the storms of life. God never promises us. And this is why the health and wellness gospel is so dangerous. Because if you have a health and wellness gospel, and if you think that you, if you have enough faith, only good things are going to come to you, well, tell that to someone like Job. Tell that to a, a, a good godly parent who's lost their child tragically. They did right. nothing to deserve it. They did nothing wrong. God never right. promises us an easy road. He promises us His presence through the storm. Right. And that's something we got to remember. Right. And in going back to Job, with exactly what you were saying, or, or kind of refine a little bit of that, Job never got the answer he was asking. You know, he, he never got those answers. Absolutely. Um, he, 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 got, he, got, he got God's rebuke, you know, um, but he never really got the answers he was looking for. In the end, he did when it was all said and done. He, he kind of, uh, you could, you, you know, read in there, he kind of saw the light, so to speak, but it, he recognized he was blessed, but yet um, he never got the answer, why did God do this to him? Absolutely. You know, so I mean, and and I think that goes right back to our human nature. Just like uh, I was talking about in Jonah, it's it's our human nature. We we um, we have a sense of justice, and what we have in our mind as justice, or as in uh, the right thing, or what what should be done, is really only a very minimal. Uh, amount of knowledge of what actually justice is or what uh, what should be done in that situation well and, and and the reality is is the reason we are not supposed to judge one another now, I understand I understand the whole logic behind it behind the idea that uh, we that doesn't mean that we still can't discern that still doesn't mean that we don't do certain things I, I understand that but Jesus says, by what judgment we judge others, that's the judgment that will be used against us as well. And I think, to be honest, Christians <laughs> Christians have a problem with, with, with us throwing one another under the bus, uh, you, you know, so, so to speak. But um, I had a thought I was going there with that, and I completely lost it. But, but anyhow, uh, we, we, need to, we need to really understand... Uh, the love and grace of God. I had a point that I was going with that, and I looked at something else, and I had kind of like that dog, see squirrel, you know. <laughs> so you have to forgive me. I lost my point there. <laughs> Man, that's all good. It's all good. So even if all the logical problems are solved, people still face terrible pain and suffering in their lives. What does the Christian have to offer such individuals, and how can we respond to the emotional problem of pain? I want to get a little personal uh, with this one, and uh, th this was a question I was really looking forward to uh, answering at the uh, conference, and just didn't get a chance to do so, and, that, and that's fine. I, you know, we had a great conversation there, and that's you know that's not slander to anyone because I, I I think the conference went as it was supposed to, and we had a wonderful conversation, and I wouldn't change anything about it. But uh, I've, I've faced a lot of tragedy in my life, so I understand people who've gone through certain things. Obviously, there are people who've suffered more than I have. Um, but I had a grandfather uh, that I loved dearly uh, who committed suicide whenever I was 18 years old. Um, due, due to the pressures of pastoral ministry, I faced uh, anxiety issues. Um, that I didn't have previously. I think a lot of that has been a direct response to some of the issues that I have faced in pastoral ministry. Uh, my wife and I have lost two children by way of miscarriages. Uh, so I understand what it's like to suffer. So I'm not, I'm not trying to bring forth this pie in the sky by and by philosophy as someone who's never gone through anything and i'm not saying that to, to bring emotionalism into it i'm just saying that i understand uh people who, who've suffered uh again i know there's several people out there who've gone through a lot more than we have so but i just simply say this 
as one who went to agnosticism for a while, I can say that I didn't find any answers in that whatsoever. My faith in God is just as strong as it is. As it's, it's stronger now than it's ever been. Um, that doesn't mean that I always am, am trusting of people <laughs> after you go through things, you know, obviously. But, uh, I mean, because it does have an effect on you when you go through certain things in life. But I would offer three pieces of advice to individuals going through difficulties. First of all, depend on God. You've got to grow in your relationship with God. This includes prayer, Bible study, and regular devotions. You make, I hear people say all the time, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time for Bible study. You make time for what you deem most important in life. Um, if, if your relationship with God is important, then you're going to want to make time to spend with God. Secondly, expand your mind. Jesus tells us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. Mind is part of it. So grow in your theology and apologetics. Go to Bellator Christi. Check out the articles. Check out these podcasts. Uh, and, and don't just stop there. Go to Reasonable Faith. Go to Cross-Examined. Go to Stand to Reason. Go to um, Michael Brown's show. Go to several different podcasts. There are, there's a wealth of apologetic and theological material out there. And if you need more resources, contact Curtis or myself and we can get, the, get that to you. Um, I mean, I've spent the past seven years in graduate-level studies in apologetics and theology. And if there's one thing I've learned, it's, it's that I realize how much I don't know. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and the more I learn about God, the more I realize that there are many more untapped resources out there about God. We were talking about this in the last intensive. One of the things about heaven is I, I think we have this notion that uh, we're going to know everything in heaven. I don't think that's true. No. I think we're going to spend an eternity learning more and more about God, who He is. I think we're going to have an eternity exploring that new heaven and new earth. You know, Curtis, I'm just I'm here at this night sky, looking out at the stars and stuff. And you know, right now we can't go explore that. But I believe with the new resurrected bodies we have, I wouldn't be a bit surprised if God didn't allow us to go explore the cosmos that He created. Uh, whatever that new heaven and new earth is going to look like, whatever that new universe is going to look like. Uh, we're going to spend an eternity learning and growing in the Lord and learning more about Him. And man, I can't think of a better way of spending eternity than growing in the grace of God. And what an amazing thing that is just to think yeah. about. And then third, grow in your relationships. What often happens, and me being one who is more introverted, uh, it's easy for me to just go lone wolf and I have to be real cognizant cognizant about this in my own life. Sometimes I, you know, I because I can be very much so a lone wolf. I'll just go do it myself. Just go off and do something myself. Um, but we we're created to be social creatures. So develop friendships. And uh, and Curtis, I'm blessed to have you as a friend. I mean, we and I, you and I have had. We're not only friends on the podcast, we, we contact, we text one another, we call one another, and I appreciate your friendship and, and the friendships God has given me through uh, Liberty, through um, different resources, through uh, apologetic conferences and things of this nature, through Facebook, social media, through Bellator Christi. We need to grow in those relationships uh, because a church is not just your local assembly. The church is the body of Christ universal. So uh, don't go it alone. It's easy for us to try to go it alone, but we need to. Re we really need to grow together with fellow believers in the faith. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think uh, probably the the biggest thing that I can that I can try to um, speak on right now to people is is getting the word. Get in the word that binds your heart, that binds your mind to what God, what God's thoughts are, and what God wants you to be. And I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge thing, um, especially going into the what we see today in the world that we're dealing with. I mean, it, our world is spinning faster than than we've ever seen before. Um, you know, I mean, I. 
I, I was talking to my kids the other day. We were talking, and I said, like, yeah, well, you know, when I was growing up, and I got I got wait a minute, there's no way these kids can understand when I say when I was growing up <laughs> that it was, you know, I mean, I understand, you know, it's it's been said of many a times, you know, the older generation doesn't appreciate what the younger generation has to go through. But I look at it, and it's it's not an appreciation anymore. It's it's I am I'm pained that my kids got to go through and, and see things moving so fast, and and uh, um, this idea that we gotta have uh, information about everything at every time, all the time. And we can't shut it off. We can't get away. We can't uh, experience um, just just being able to breathe and just being able to walk with one another. And I think that's important. We need to take our time. One of the things that I can tell you is one thing that that is is passionate of mine is taking some time to just slow down and breathe. Have a conversation with your wife. Have a conversation with your kids. Be intentional about it. And those kind of things then help us understand that there is good in this world. Um, You're absolutely right. And, and Curtis, I have to say, moving out in the country, this was was a divine move for us. I mean, God definitely arranged this. And, and we're appreciative of, of, of the place where we stayed, and, and there's nothing against that. But it was a really heavily traveled area, and, and being out here like right now, listening to the frogs and crickets and stuff like that, there's something very powerful about getting out in nature with God. Uh-huh. Being alone with God in nature and, and having those conversations, intentional conversations, as you said, with family. My son... Uh, is a very, you know, I said I was an introvert. My son is the exact opposite. He, he wants to be in the middle of everything. And this, this pandemic has <laughs> killed him. But we have to take time as a family to, to play games. And I'll play, you know, he has me playing Minecraft with him. I don't know half what I'm doing with the thing. But anyhow, he has me doing these different games. And we get outside and we take walks. We do these different things. You're right. We've got to slow down and turn off social media turn off the news for a while get in the word of god get along with god um you're absolutely right Uh this this and being out in the country i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you being out in the country i can tell you it's talking about anxiety my anxiety levels have come down dramatically just by being out in the country i mean i'm amazed at how much those levels have come down since being out in the country yeah that's awesome yeah that's that's something that um (laughs) uh i can appreciate because um on my day-to-day as i'm going into my uh my hourly work that i do i i work at at, and paint cars at an auto body shop and it's just um, yeah and and so it's just it's um it's fast pace it's um i enjoy it it's it's uh you know there's a thrill to it um i've loved that job for a long time almost 30 years we've i've been doing that um and but when i pull in the driveway of the ranch it is completely different Mm. it's a it's a moment that you get a chance to just pause and just rest and one thing that i that i heard um pastor john corson a guy that i have listened to for a long time he's good solid teacher um but he he's adamant about grab your word put on your shoes and go walk Mm. no matter where you're at grab your word and if you know if if you don't want to be he says if you don't want to be carrying your bible and and look like one of those crazy you know wacko christians (laughs) he says you can put headphones in and pick up your phone and you can walk around with it and you look like you're having a conversation with somebody but you can be praying to god he says you don't have to look weird but he says he says but me he says i'm fine with looking weird so um so and it's important i did that the other morning um in fact saturday morning um it was you know what five o'clock in the morning the sun or the the you know the twilight was kind of 
out and you know broken the sun was kind of rising behind the mountains and hadn't quite quite come over the top of the mountains yet but it was it was enough light and i just grabbed my word and i just walked down the dirt road down to the you know a half mile down uh, almost a mile down on the end of our road and i just just enjoyed walking on the dirt road praying talking to god the cows on one side of the fence were looking at me like what are you doing and i'm talking <laughs> you know and and i just you just take that time and i think it's important as we kind of come into this season that we're coming into where it's going to get crazier than, than what we have experienced already. And I think it's important that the Christians take the time to pause, get back into the word and start all over again, building that relationship with God. So we aren't shaken when it comes time for this. So we have the answers for those people. And, and, and Curtis, I, you know, just two things that came to my mind when you were going through that is, is this year uh, is is going to be. Twenty sixteen was a very toxic presidential election. Twenty twenty is going to be worse. We already see this. I mean, it's not even election time, and we already see how politicians are twisting the virus and twisting. I had a conversation with a, a couple from our church uh, tonight about this very issue, and, and, we, and we were talking about this very, this very thing. This is going to be rough, uh, this, the end of this year. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I hope and pray I'm wrong, but I really feel this is going to get rough by the end of the year, um, and, and who knows what next year is going to bring also think about you know Jesus's admonition when he saw things going down in Jerusalem that he warned people go to the hills go to the country move out of the city um, I, I'm not saying that anything like that's coming it may uh, but I would say as you were saying there as well that we need to be prepared for anything that could happen uh, and we need to be strong in our faith, putting on the whole armor of God, the whole counsel of God. Uh, and, and we need to take that time away from the distractions and center our lives back on God. One last thing. Jesus uh, admonished, I believe it was the church in Ephesus, of Ephesus in the book of Revelation, about losing their first love. I think we as a as a American as American church need to regain our first love and put the focus back on Christ. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Well, it's been a great podcast, Brian. I've uh, enjoyed it. Yeah, it's been good. So, uh, we here at Bellator Christie want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayer is that this podcast helps stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and is a reliable source of information. Join us next time on Bellator Christie Podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, Soldier on, own. friends. <laughs> I was a little off. listening to the Bellator Christie podcast brought to you by bellatorchristie.com the opinions of our guests represent their own and may not reflect those of Bellator Christie Ministries or its affiliates the Bellator Christie podcast and bellatorchristie.com are protected under creative commons copyright all rights reserved the opening theme is the song crucified written by John and Michaela Limanis performed by Crosby Lane and produced by Mansion Entertainment Be sure to visit our YouTube page at www.youtube.com forward slash Bellator Christie. Also, please consider leaving a positive review on the apps where this podcast is found. We thank you for joining us today and hope to see you back the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Have you ever wondered about the Christian faith, but have become bogged down by difficult terminology? Are you a Christian and faced doubts and you didn't know where to turn? Maybe your faith has been challenged and you don't know how to respond. 
Or perhaps you desire to learn more about how to winsomely defend your faith, but you do not have the time nor the finances to enroll in seminary. If any of these situations describes you, then consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics. This book confronts the challenges facing the Christian faith, but does so in a way that is accessible to everyone. The Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics is available in softcover, hardcover, on the Kindle, and Nook. Consider purchasing a copy of the Layman's Manual on Christian Apologetics from your favorite bookstore today. Did you know that you can help the Bellator Christian Ministries by simply leaving a review? If you are enjoying this podcast, help us out by leaving a positive review on the app where this podcast is found. This helps increase the exposure of the podcast and helps others find it more easily. If you enjoy this podcast, leave a review. If not, send me an email. Either way, we want to thank you for supporting BellatorChristi.com and the Bellator Christie Podcast.